Hello, my name is Vicki James, and this is Murder Sandwich, a true crime and mystery podcast where we're not scared of sandwiches murdering us, but more of us murdering sandwiches. Am I right? Today, we'll be covering the case of The Watcher of 657 Boulevard in Westfield, New Jersey. This should be a pretty interesting one. It is unsolved, I'm going to warn you, but it has a kind of mysterious aspect to it. No deaths, no actual murder. It's more on the mystery side today. So I do want to do a quick thank you for 13,000 downloads on my podcast. I honestly can't believe we've made it to this milestone after like just over nine months. So thank you so much to everyone for listening and coming with me on this podcast that I've started for my little hobby. So thank you so much. With that, go grab a good old greasy sloppy joe and let's mow down on some true crime. So one night in June 2014, Derek Broadus was at his new house at 657 Boulevard. And no, that's not 657 Boulevard, like Boulevard. I don't know who the city planner was in this town, but there's no like end of Boulevard. Like it's not Boulevard Ave. It's not Boulevard Street. It's not Boulevard Boulevard. It's just Boulevard. (laughs) So don't come for me. Derek had actually just purchased this house for himself and his family. And before they were moving in, he just wanted to do a little bit of renos. So he was actually inside and he was painting the walls inside this house. So he went out to see if there was any mail and they had just closed on the house a few days earlier. So they weren't really expecting a whole bunch. He saw that there was some mail in there. There were some bills and then there was a small card-shaped envelope, no return address, no nothing, just like not even a stamp. And in big black letters, handwritten, it said the new owner. And there was a typed note inside. Now, I don't have a fancy voice actor, so I'm just going to try my best here and let's hope this turns out okay. Dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard, Allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now, and as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched the house in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. I see already that you have flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be. Tiss, 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 bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. Who am I? There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I am in one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I am in one. Look out any of the many windows in 657 Boulevard at the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am in one. You have children. I have seen them. So far, I think there are three that I have counted. Do you need to fill the house with the young blood that I requested? Better for me. 
Was your old house too small for the Gorn family? Or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. The Watcher. So for Derek and Maria, buying this house had fulfilled a dream, as Maria was actually only raised in Westfield, New Jersey, where this house is located, actually just a few blocks away from this house. Derek actually grew up in Maine, so in a different state, and he had recently climbed up the ladder to senior vice president at this insurance company in Manhattan, and he got a salary large enough to be able to afford this $1.3 million house. Now, the letter said that they had three children. They were right. Derek and Maria did, in fact, have three children. And they are the ages of 5, 8, and 10 in 2014 when this started. And they had actually just bought the house after Derek celebrated his 40th birthday. And the whole family was stoked. Even the kids were talking about Santa and, you know, having more space and a huge yard. So Westfield, New Jersey... So Westfield, New Jersey, it's located about 45 minutes from New York, and it's just this like super sleepy suburb. It's the 99th richest city in America, but only the 18th wealthiest in New Jersey, which I didn't know New Jersey was so wealthy. News to me. I, I guess it is on the water. And in 2014, it was actually labeled the 30th safest town in America. And every article and news source that I read had to state the fact that this, this town was 86% Caucasian, which I think just apparently is a statistic that they just have to throw in there. But we've heard of Westfield before. For any listeners that have listened to a few of my podcasts, my very, very, very first podcast was on a man named John List. That's the case as to why my podcast is even called Murder Sandwich. So John List, he lived in Westfield, and that's actually the same town where he murdered his entire family and ate a sandwich after, which is obviously the term of this podcast. So that is basically the last crazy thing to happen in Westfield is John List and him murdering his entire family. After Derek received this letter, it was actually pretty late. It was like 10 p.m., right? So he ran around the whole house, turning off all the lights so no one could see inside. And then he called the Westfield police. And they showed up to the house. And as soon as they read it, they literally said, what the fuck is this? And then, you know, they look around the house. They're doing a little perimeter. And there is some construction equipment outside. So the police is like, you should probably move that in. You know, what if the watcher shows up and throws it inside the window to, to get inside? And then the police also said, like, do not speak to any of your new neighbors about this. Like, they all just instantly became suspects. So Derek and Maria hadn't completely moved out of their old house. He rushed back to it and contacted the Woods family, and they're who sold them the house. So the next morning, Andrea Woods gives them a call back. She confirms that they actually got a note signed from the watcher right before they moved out. But she dismissed it as completely harmless and just threw it in the garbage. But Andrea and her husband had lived in the house for 23 years before selling in the house to the Broadduses. And they'd only ever heard from the watcher that one time. But they still came to the police station with Derek and Maria the next day. And they, you know, put a statement in that they also received a letter that one time 
But they said, like, the letter was just more on the strange side than threatening. It was nothing like the letter that had been sent to the Broadduses. Like, the letter they got even thanked them for taking care of the house. So they were just like, okay, great. And <laughs> just threw it out. Which, I don't know. Like, they, they said that they never felt like they were being watched. They even left their doors unlocked for a majority of the 23 years. So they just weren't concerned. Like, there was just no concern for them at all. So some things to consider before we jump in any further here is after the first letter, Derek instantly canceled a work trip. And whenever Maria would take the kids to the new house, either just to, you know, if she's working on it a little bit with the renos, you know, the kids would just hang around the house and do certain things. But she would always make sure that they were in eyesight and would just yell their names if they wandered into a corner of the yard or out of eyesight or she couldn't see them, anything like that. She instantly would yell their names. And at one point, Derek even gave a tour of the renos, you know, to a couple down the block that was interested. And at one point, the wife said, it'll be nice to have some young blood in the neighborhood, which is just a weird thing to say because... Like, that's what the letter said? Like, is that a popular saying back in 2014 in Westfield? I don't know. Very weird. I would be instantly suspicious if that happened. I raised, staring at them, telling them to get the fuck out immediately. <laughs> right after that happened, the general contractor that was working on the renovations for them, he arrived a couple mornings after, and a sign that he had hammered into the front yard the night before had been completely ripped out. Like, nothing was written on it, and it didn't seem to be, like, entirely damaged, but it was, like, completely ripped out of the out of the ground, which is eh, kind of weird. So the second letter, yes, there's more than one, that it came exactly two weeks after the first. This time it was addressed to the Broadduses by name, but it was misspelled. And the author also listed all three children by birth order and nickname. I don't know, this leads me to believe that he hadn't seen them, the names like spelled, like they were not written down. They were just said. And this is what the letter contained. Welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard. The workers have been busy and I've been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what is in the walls yet? In time they will. I am pleased to know your names now and the name of the young blood that you have brought to me. You certainly say their names often. 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of this house. Have you found all of the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement? Or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will he sleep in the attic? Or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move throughout the house. Who am I? I'm the Watcher, and I've been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on, and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my life. My job. 
my obsession. And now you are too, Broadus family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. Have a happy moving-in day. You know I will be watching. The Watcher. After the second letter, obviously, Derek and Maria were not going to bring their children to the house anymore. And at this point, they were just unsure if they would ever move in. It's just, you know, it's just weird, right? So it's weird. I found so many different versions of these letters. It was actually really hard for me to kind of align them together. So if anyone is going to do a deeper dive on this, you just might find slightly different versions. Now, in the second letter, at some point, it is said that he references their daughter painting on the porch on an easel. I I found some examples of that, but then it didn't have other details. So I just wanted to mention it because this is a huge reason why they do not show up to the house anymore because they had referenced them by their nicknames. They mentioned the daughter on painting on the easel, and they were just obviously very concerned about bringing their their children around there. Derek and Maria, their first, 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 first suspect in their heads was that this was someone who had just really wanted the house and had lost it in the bidding war, and and maybe even a disgruntled neighbor who just really wasn't fond of them doing any renos to this older house, or that they, you know, didn't want kids living next door. The Woods had lived there for so long that they live there alone. This is definitely younger kids. And, you know, maybe they had an issue with that. So they contacted the Woods about other buyers just to get some backstory on that. And the Woods did admit that they received multiple offers over asking price, which sounds familiar, right? Isn't that the market we're in now? Ha <laughs> You know, there was one interested buyer who backed out due to a bad medical diagnosis. I'm not sure if, personally, I'm not sure if that would be the person, but anyway. And then another one had actually just backed out because they already found a different home. So their next door neighbors, who are they? The immediate next door neighbors were a family called the Langfords. And these stood out as a real possibility because they had actually lived in their house since the 1960s. And this is 2014. That's a, that's a long time. And their view from their house, they could generally see whatever was going on. They could see the porch, they could see the backyard, they could see whatever they wanted. So the matriarch of this family was Peggy Langford, and she was in her 90s. And she had a few adult children, all of them in their 60s, who all lived with her. One of Peggy's sons was named Michael. Now, he had been diagnosed with schizophrenia, and therefore he was the immediate target of who was doing this. But the neighbor said, like, yeah, he was kind of strange, but was a great neighbor, and no one had ever had any issues with them before. Michael apparently even picked up, like, all of the neighbor's newspapers and took it to them in the morning. Like, the neighbors loved him, no issues at all. But Derek was convinced it was them because of the timeline, right? And they just felt like they are the ones that have been watching the house. Now, the the father of the family, so Peggy's husband or Michael's dad, he had actually died about 12 or 15 years earlier, I read. So that would kind of match up with the timeline saying like, oh, my father looked after it in the 60s. And, you know, I've been looking at it 
after the last two decades. So that, that timeline does match up. But, you know, the police looked into it. There's no evidence aligning them. They, you know, they investigated it. They talked to a bunch of people. But essentially, they went back to Derek and said, look, like, unless someone in the family confesses, like, we're SOL. Like, we can't do anything. Like, there's just nothing, no evidence at all. So the letters. The only evidence they got from the letters, really, was that they were processed in Kearney, which is the U.S. Postal Service's distribution center in northern New Jersey. And it was actually postmarked on June 14th, before the sale was even made public. Weird. The Woods didn't even place a for sale sign, by the way, for anyone thinking that. They <laughs> they just put it out there and people had offers. You know, it's a very desirable area, very rich. And this June 4th was actually only a day after the contractors arrived. So this is like really quick. So like, how do you, how do you know? The renovations were mostly interior. And so the people who live nearby also said, you know, they didn't even notice any commotion. Like there was nothing that was really drawing their attention to the fact that renovations were getting done. Derek also started to set up cameras all over the house, and he would even stay up late mapping out the neighborhood, keeping notes of when certain families had moved in, you know, suspicious neighbors, people lingering around the house outside. He basically became the watcher for his own house to try to find the watcher. So like watcher inception, which honestly, I would do exactly the same thing. Just so everyone knows, I would 10 million percent do exactly the same thing that Derek is doing because this is just creepy. Derek also hired a private investigator and tons of different experts. There was even one who staked out the neighborhood and they started running background checks in the Lingfords, didn't find anything. There was a few child sex offenders in the area. They investigated those, came up with nothing. He hired some experts who wanted to dissect the letters and the handwriting and you know, the language, and they had come out and suggested that it was written by a voracious reader and that they had like a really strong lack of profanity given that the anger that they had suggested. And so they the, they determined that the letters, you know, it kind of came from like a non-macho kind of guy is what they said. And so they didn't think that this person was going to act on any of the threats, but that the person seemed pretty erratic. And so... They weren't really sure 100% just if they their eroticism would get to the point where they would be violent. Because of the letters, they did determine that this person had a strong disdain for the wealthy, saying that, you know, people who just move in are just rich and yada, yada, yada. So they, they seem to really not like that. I don't know if their house that they have on the road is way less expensive than this house or what their deal is with that, but they really seem to not like the wealthy, which you live in a very wealthy town. If you don't like the wealthy, move someone more poor. I don't understand. But anyway, the lead detective on this, his name's Detective Lugo. You know, he's coming to the house a lot. So after the second letter, they obviously show him the spot where the daughter was painting on this easel on the porch. And they figured out that this area that she's painting in, it can only be viewed by the next door neighbor or the people behind the house. No other people can, can view it at all, unless you're obviously in the house. But those are the only two people. So we've talked in depth about these next door neighbors. But what about these people behind the house? You know, they're not really talked about a whole bunch. And I'm trying to like sprinkle some seeds here, right? So 
they're still doing renos, right? I don't, I don't know why you keep doing renos. I would never keep doing renos. I'd be like, mm, great. Yeah, we're selling. No more renos. So Bill Woodward, he's the house painter. And he's painting, you know, the inside, outside of the house, whatever. And he noticed that the couple that lived behind 657 Boulevard, they kept their pair of lawn chairs like weirdly close to the property. And at one point, he even saw this older guy just like sitting in them and was staring at the house. So it's not looking back on their own house. It's staring out. Which isn't, like, completely weird, but I wonder how close they really were. Like, how close? So, the same neighbor behind him, it is said through rumblings of the community that his son apparently did joke around, saying that, you know, the watcher sounded like him. So, soon after this, you know, several weeks after they received the second letter, they receive a third letter. And it states, The house is crying from all of the pain it is going through. You've changed it and made it so fancy. You're stealing its history. It cries for the past and what used to be in the time when I roamed its halls. The 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard, when I ran from room to room imagining the life with the rich occupants there. The house was full of life and young blood. Then it got old and so did my father. But he kept watching it. He kept watching until the day he died. And now I watch and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. 657 Boulevard is turning me on. It is coming after me. I don't understand why. What spell did you cast on it? It used to be my friend, and now it is my enemy. I am in charge of 657 Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass and for you to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Let the young blood play again like it once did. Let the young blood sleep in 657 Boulevard. Stop changing it and leave it alone. So, you know, I think the letters are getting much more aggressive, right? So, but this one gives a lot of clues, hey? So, like, he used to live in the house. Or at least he knew someone who lived there. There he would run the halls. So, I don't know. It's just so eerie. It really gives me the heebie-jeebies. So, this is, like, not long after they purchased the house, right? So, like, this is six months after the first letter, and Derek and Maria are, like, fuck this and they're gonna put the house up for sale but they like they couldn't sell it because these rumors were going around town about like a sex offender or a stalker or, like a murderer like going around this house right they did tell their real estate agent like look if there's any serious buyers we'll let them see the letters but no one no one wanted to have any potential interest in it without seeing the letters and their real estate agent even said to them like look I wouldn't even tell anyone about the letters. Like, let's hope that you find someone who's never heard of it before. And they're like, this just sounds so dishonest. Like, why would we do that? You know, this is, people are going to see that they didn't purchase the house for very long. Like, you know, there's going to be questions. So this actually prompted Derek and Maria to really think about the woods. And, you know, did the woods 
have a responsibility to disclose the letters to them when they were purchasing the home. You know, they didn't see it as a threat, but like, look what it's turned into. So the Broadduses, Derek and Maria, actually initiated a lawsuit against the Woods saying that they should have disclosed the letters to them. And that would have changed their opinion about buying the property. At this time, their old house sold. Maria and Derek had nowhere to live. So they had to stay in Maria's parents' house. And, you know, the family of five is in their, in her parents' house. And they're continuing to pay the $1.3 million mortgage of the house, as well as the property taxes, which I'm sure were not cheap. Not cheap. Nope. You know, the detectives are still looking into the Langfords at this point. You know, the investigation is still going. There's not a ton of leads, but, you know, they're really trying to talk to the neighbors and they're trying to, you know, figure out what's going on here. So the detectives say, like, maybe we can siphon the Langfords out and try to get them to force a confession, which isn't a bad idea. A little uh, shady, but, you know, they're trying, I guess. So they end up announcing to the Langfords that the house is actually being torn down. And they think that this will initiate a response if they're the watcher saying like, oh, no, like this house is being burnt down, and you know, whatever. Send another letter about how upset the watcher is. But nothing happened. They either recognize that this was bait or they're not the watcher. And they're like, okay, great. Like, tear the fucking house down. Like, I give a fuck. Like, it's causing us so much headache. Like, fuck. So the police do do a DNA analysis on the letter. You know, saliva. Maybe they're swapping some spit. And, like, you know, this isn't CSI, so it doesn't take, like, 30 seconds. So they obviously conducted it right away. And it takes, you know, a long time, like, even a year. To, to get it back. So finally, the DNA came back. And unfortunately, it only got traced back to a woman. So they don't know who it is. But they know it's a woman. So this is when they decide to look at the Langfords. And really, there's only a few people that reside there that are a woman. So they do Peggy Langford, the matriarch. And they also do the sister. Now, the sister was actually a real estate agent. So they thought, you know, that this was a potential lead. And, you know, maybe she was supposed to be the real estate agent on the house. And she like, lost out on commission. And there's some bad blood there, or over, you know, whatever it may be. But the DNA didn't match either of them. So this is when they're like, officially, officially, officially ruled out. So the Langfords did not do it. So they're out. The neighborhood also thought that Derek and Maria had actually started this whole thing and they just wanted to get out of the contract of the house or insurance fraud or, you know, this lawsuit with the woods or that they actually even wanted to sell the movie rights for this. Now, I think there's way cheaper ways to do movie rights. That could just be me. I'm not in that industry. I'm not entirely sure, but I don't think buying a house and fabricating this whole thing is like the easiest way to get a movie deal. But anyway, so they they did they did reference that DNA match to Maria, and it it wasn't a match. It's not her. Unfortunately, like that just did not squash the rumors. Like the rumors continued to go on even to present day. There's lots of people that think that they were involved. I personally don't think that. I don't think they were involved at all. It sounds so weird to me that they would be. Makes no sense to me. I can't think of how that would even be a thing. At this time, detectives are also, you know, staking out the house and trying to see if they can find any activity. And one night at around 11 p.m., a car stops in front of the house. 
long enough to be deemed suspicious. So the police officer, you know, they trace that car to this young woman who lives in the town over from Westfield, but her boyfriend just lives down the street. The woman claimed that her boyfriend played some, and I quote, some pretty dark video games. And one of them was where there was a character named The Watcher. Now, I'm sure there's some people out there that play video games and know the one I'm talking about. I didn't even bother looking it up. I like video games, but like I play like Lego games and like The Avengers. So I don't know The Watcher. (laughs) So this boyfriend, he agreed to do an interview twice, never shut up either time. And they just like dropped the case against him, which I think it's like kind of a stretch. But anyway, there's... It could be him, and we have no idea, because it's unsolved, like I said, and uh, there's no more mention of this person at all. So Derek and Maria, you know, they can't sell the house, so they gave up the sale, obviously, and they're like, maybe we can find renters. So they do find renters, completely transparent about the letter again. They even put a clause in the lease for them that if a letter was sent while they were leaving there, they could break the lease at any time. Of course... Two weeks later, another letter shows up. It's dated for February 13th. And this is the day they actually gave depositions in their lawsuits to the Woods, which is like a little coincidental. And this letter says, Violent winds and bitter cold to the vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wife, Maria. You wonder who the watcher is. Turn around, idiots. Maybe you even spoke to me, one of the so-called neighbors who has no idea who the watcher could be. Or maybe you do know and are too scared to tell anyone. Good move. I walked by the news trucks when they took over my neighborhood and mocked me. I watched as you watched from the dark house in an attempt to find me. Telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions. 657 Boulevard survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gates. My soldiers of the boulevard followed my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the Watcher. Maybe a car accident. Maybe a fire. Maybe a something as a mild illness that will never seem to go away, but makes you feel sick day after day after day after day. Maybe the mysterious death of a pet. Loved ones suddenly die. Planes and cars and bicycles crash. Bones break. You were despised by the house. And the Watcher won. Now that last part after All Hail the Watcher, that's another part that I kept finding. And... I think that there's a sentence missing in there because the articles that I read, they, they are saying that they're referencing the tenants there. So I'm not sure. I tried really hard to kind of line that up and I couldn't find it, but that's what is agreed. So the tenants handed this letter over to Derek, but they did agree to stay. They just want those cameras reinstalled because they had uninstalled them when they were putting the house up for sale. So they installed them like no problem. Yeah, there's something really like said after about them. They, they just, they eventually move out. I just don't know when the tenants move out at all. So at some point they do. But this is now after a year after buying the house. This is like June 2015. 
And this is when Derek and Maria had officially filed this legal complaint against the Woods, arguing that they should have disclosed the letter to them. And just like they had about the water getting into the basement sometimes. Now, the case was just immediately thrown out. The judge was like, yeah, this is not something that's required to be disclosed. It was non-threatening. They considered it a non-issue. It was not a reoccurring threat that was happening. Like, they did not have to say that. You're good. So, awesome for that. The tenants moved out at some point, like I said. So the Broadduses placed their house up for sale. And you can actually look online and you can just see it year after year after year, the price going down, which is really sad. And finally, in July of 2019, it did sell for $959,000, which was unfortunately $341,000 less than what they originally paid for. So they lost a lot of money. Now, they did try to sell it to a developer, and the developer was going to split the property into two, and they were going to get around a million dollars for this. But in New Jersey, they require each lot to be 70 feet, and unfortunately, each side was only going to be three feet short from that. So that did not pan out for them. Could you fucking imagine? I would be pissed. Especially, like, you could have had... You could have at least broken even. Like, that would have been nice at least. Like, God, that sucks. So, yeah, someone obviously bought it, but the new owners have never been identified. They've never spoken out if they go out in letters. No one knows anything about them. We have no idea what happened to the watcher. The Broadus has ended up getting in, like, a lot of offers on, on rights to a movie. And... At one point, Lifetime even just went ahead and made the movie, but Derek and Maria had to send them like a cease and desist. They went through with it anyway. I'm sure it sucks because it's a Lifetime, right? But they did eventually sell the rights December of 2019, so not too long ago. Netflix actually won the rights to The Watcher Story, and so there will be a movie at some point coming out about this, which I think is a little interesting. Now, I'm not sure what you think is going on here. You know, it's really, like, that's kind of the chunk of the story. Like, it's unsolved. They sold the house. Everything's great. But, you know, the general consensus is really torn. There's a few YouTube videos and, you know, opinions out there about this. And lots and lots and lots of people think that Derek and Maria were trying to commit insurance fraud. And I don't agree with that at all. At all. Don't you think there's, like, cheaper ways to do that like you bought a very expensive house and like people even said that right like they apparently couldn't believe that this family of five could go from a three hundred thousand dollar house to a 1.3 million dollar house in like three years but who cares like that's not up to you to decide i said derek you know worked his way up in the company was making much more money that obviously helped them out a lot saved a bunch of money whatever and if you know, some people say they just want to sell the movie rights. I don't agree with that. Isn't there, like, way cheaper rate? Like I said, there's cheaper ways to sell movie rights. That makes no sense. Like, yes, they eventually sold the movie rights, but why wouldn't you? They just lost $400,000, if not more, on this this fucking house. Of course they're going to sell the rights to the movie, and why wouldn't you do it to Netflix? They're at least reputable. I wouldn't sell mine to Lifetime either if fucking Netflix is knocking at my door. And all honestly, I think it's the back door neighbor. He could see the easel. And at one point, one of the letters even said, 
turn around idiots. Like turn around to the backyard. I think it's the guy in the back. Some old timer that was like pissed that there's going to be kids in his backyard screaming and hollering and he just wanted to like relax and sit back probably with some red wine. I don't know why I said it like that. It's fine if you drink wine. <laughs> I think it's him. I think that he was used to the woods being there and they kept to themselves and they were just like some hooty tooty neighbors and they just sat inside and he saw a family of five moving in and they're a little bit younger. You know, they're probably going to be there for 20 years. And he was probably like, what the fuck? I don't want to retire with these people here. Like, I'm just going to scare the shit out of them. Maybe he got his wife to lick the envelope because he is in the system and she wasn't. I don't know. I think it's him. It's got to be him, don't you think? Everyone, let me know what you think. It's weird. It's a mystery. And I want to know. I don't think it'll obviously be solved. Like, no one died. But it's weird. And I think it's really creepy that, like, this really small town in New Jersey had, like, these two very creepy things happen to it. Like, John List and now The Watcher. Like, what is going on in this small, rich town? (laughs) What do you guys think? Is it the behind neighbor? Is it... Maria and Derek? Is it the Langfords and they missed, you know, doing someone's DNA? The thing is, is why wouldn't they test the backyard neighbor's DNA? I don't know. It just seems to me that it's very obviously the backdoor neighbor. It just seems really obvious to me that it's the backdoor neighbor. But you let me know what you think, because maybe I'm totally out to lunch and there's an obvious thing sitting here. But thank you to listening to today's episode on The Watcher or The Watcher of 657 Boulevard. This one is unsolved. Like I said, it's a great mystery. I'm sure people in New Jersey want to know who it is too. But what do you think? Do you think it was all a weird expensive ploy for insurance fraud and maybe it got out of hand? Or yeah, do you think it's just some old guy in the neighborhood that doesn't want to see any kids? Like I said, I think it's the old guy. And now I know that he said, oh, I can't wait for some young blood, but how more do you scare a family into moving in than threatening their kids, right? You're obviously going to threaten their kids. So stay tuned for next episode. It's going to be in two weeks. Maybe I'll make it a little bit more Christmas themed, a Christmas murder. If there, if there is one, there's got to be one. It is Christmas. And if you want to stay up to date with the podcast, we do have an Instagram at Murder Sandwich Podcast. I know, original, right? But thank you so much to everyone for listening and stay tuned for next time. Bye.